<laughs> Guys, I can't fucking wait to see that movie. I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. And this week, we are bringing you a very special feature. Oh, yes. yes. We're going to play a fun little game of Mary Fuck Kill. I cannot wait to watch this movie again. Because it's just so fucking weird. We're about to hit the dance floor at Jackrabbit Slims because we've got that Saturday night fever, baby. I loved this movie, too. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. I just pray that Green Book doesn't win Best Picture. Oh, Picker. God, I know. That- <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Talk Movie to Me, a weekly podcast where we discuss a movie we've all seen, our week in entertainment, and an artist whose career we'd like to put in focus. I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison, and we are in the midst of award season with the SAG Awards last weekend having handed out their trophies to the best acting performances of the year, and the Oscars only a few weeks away on April 25th. So, this week we're bringing you a special double feature episode discussing two movies that combined are nominated for 12 Oscars. They are The Father and Judas and the Black Messiah. Miss Sinclair, start us out with our first film. First up, we delve into a movie that showcases all of my biggest fears. <laughs> Literally. In a, in a gut-wrenching one hour and 37 minutes of panic-inducing existential terror. Mm-hmm. Well, at least for me it was. <laughs> this week, we're discussing The Father, directed by Florian Zeller, based off of his play from 2012 of the same name. The Father stars Sir Anthony Hopkins as Anthony, who is an aging man suffering from dementia and losing his grip on reality as his condition worsens. Mm -hmm. His daughter, Anne, played by Olivia Colman, must choose between staying by her father's side or leaving for Paris to pursue a life of her own and leaving him under the watch of hired medical care. This proves difficult as Anthony has a reputation of being no walk in the park and his reluctance to accept help causes a strain on Anne to find the right person for the job. The father takes us down an unflinching journey of confusion, loss, guilt, and personal sacrifices, confronting audiences to ask the question, if I lose control of my mind, memories, and autonomy, then who exactly am I? Mm-hmm. God, that scene. No. Uh, I know, I know. Uh, Helen's tearing up already. I can't. I said, I messaged and I said, oh God, Sinclair, have you seen this yet? Because like, I can't even, I wish that I could have watched this movie with you. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, okay, first impressions to start. Helen, why don't you go first? Sure. Well, I had no idea Imogen Poots was in this movie. So Mm. I got excited when I saw her name in the opening credits. And then similar to my first impression with Minari, I just got that sense that this movie is going to break my heart. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I thought that before the movie even started. So that was my first impression. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Edison? Um, My first impression for this film is that the score was reminding me of Yorgos Lanthimos and it Mm. actually kind of reminded me of The Favourite. And Mm -hmm. then our first shot is of Olivia (laughs) Coleman walking down a sunlit street in modern day London and I was like, is this like a weird alternate universe from that film? (laughs) But at the very beginning, I have to say, I found the score kind of overwhelming and that was my first impression. Mm. How about you, Sinclair? First impression for me... Well, I was definitely putting this off Yeah, Yeah. watching this movie. I didn't have the best feeling going into this because I knew it was going to be really heavy. 
But I was really happy to see Anthony Hopkins, as I always am. His presence was already pulling me into this film and already pulling me into the mind of this character. And also just loved the idea of watching him with Olivia Colman. Okay, well, why don't we get into the storytelling to start? Yeah. Okay, so we have watched several films and discussed several films that have been adaptations of plays. Right, stage plays into film. Especially this year. <laughs> Especially this year. It feels like yeah. the last five episodes there's been some. I was cognizant of that while watching this. And I thought, okay, how is this going to do in comparison to the others? Mm-hmm. And I think this film nails it. Yeah. In terms of the direction, the way that it was scripted, but also more significantly the way that this film was directed, it took that story of the play and actually made it cinematic in a way mm. that really worked for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did not know this was a play. Me neither. Not not until I started watching it. Yeah. And I, so I didn't know. I, I didn't know when I watched this. I, I found out it was a play after the fact mm. when I was doing my notes <laughs> for this ep- yeah. episode. So I didn't have that in my mind while I was watching it. But I do remember thinking while I was watching it, this would be a really good play. Yeah. This would really work as a play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I never at any point thought, oh, this is too much like a play. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I totally agree with you, Edison, that I think that this adaptation of all the plays to films that we've watched this year is the top one. I didn't know that either going in. And I would say about 30 minutes into it, I was like, oh, this was a play. Mm-hmm. Based off of the limited cast the limited setting like we're Mm -hmm. really just shifting the same setting to look slightly different that limited space and cast is what uh, tipped me off to think that it was a play but nothing about this felt like okay yeah this is a like none of the dialogue no like the dialogue didn't feel overly theatrical or dramatic it didn't have that yeah that sort of clunky transition into film that sometimes plays can have Mm-hmm. I thought this was an exceptional adaptation. And it it was Florian Zeller, the director. It was his play. Yeah. And he directed this. And this yeah. is his first yeah. film. <laughs> like, what yeah. an accomplishment. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 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 Well, he didn't want it to be cut and paste yeah. from his yeah. play. So he worked with the other writer, Christopher Hampton, who worked on the screenplay. And they wanted to make sure that this was really cinematic, but without taking... Anthony from. out and putting him too far mm. away from his his space, mm-hmm. like his his living space. And I also found the changing up of the actresses in the different mm. roles was really interesting, leading to me thinking, oh, this would be done really well as a play if it mm-hmm. were to be done. Yeah. But it also worked really well on film in terms of yeah. what the character yeah. was experiencing in their mind. This is perhaps the most successful film I've ever watched that made me feel like I was empathetically experiencing what it might be like to have dementia. Mm -hmm. It was so powerful and terrifying. You nailed it at the beginning, Sinclair. Like, yeah, this is a straight up horror film. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, it's interesting because when you watch it, it actually feels in terms of the style and the tone of it and just what's happening to the character actually 
feels like a film that is a psychological thriller. Mm-hmm. And that's it's what I thought. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's almost like a lead character that's being gaslighted. Totally. Right? And you actually questioned that at one point. Like, wait a minute. Are they just trying to get us flat? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you know that it's not. You know yeah. that. But your mind is tricked into questioning it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this it does such an exceptional job of making us feel like we're Anthony, but also being able to perceive him from the outside. Yeah. It doesn't such an excellent job of like showing us and allowing us to feel both of those perspectives. It is just such an effective way to depict dementia. Yeah. It's one thing to to see someone going through it from the outside, but then as the viewer to actually feel like, oh, wait, I'm so confused. I don't mm-hmm. know who is who and where I am. Like, it's discombobulating and scary. Yeah, like, I, it mm-hmm. felt like a thriller to me at so many points. I was on the edge of my seat. Well, I feel like if you've ever been close to somebody who's suffering from dementia, you do experience them thinking you're someone else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, it's it's only been viewed from this outside perspective you don't realize how terrifying it could be in their brains mm-hmm. Absolutely. and even in film when you see characters that are confused or aging and they're seeing things that we aren't seeing but you don't actually realize how horrifying it is and how scared they might be because it's always viewed from the perspective of the observer rather yeah. than the one who's experiencing it yeah yeah i've been at home in Nova Scotia, right, for mm-hmm. the past month and a half now. Mm-hmm. And I am fortunate enough to still have five living grandparents. Um, they're <laughs> all in their mid to late 80s. And so there have been a lot of conversations around mortality and things like right. this since I've been home. And something that my mom has said to me is like, she said it several times, like, nobody tells you what growing old is really like. Mm-hmm. And you just don't know. She's like, I didn't know what it was really like until now you have to take care of them. And all of the loss of dignity that comes with, Mm. you know, being super confused, not necessarily knowing what's happening. Maybe your your bodily functions aren't in your control anymore. Like just all of these, the actual hard reality of being old and living through that. It's terrifying, yeah. mm-hmm. but we it's also entirely universal for any of us who <laughs> live that long. Right. Well, it was great, too, with the character of Anne. Mm-hmm. The guilt that she was going through, and you mm-hmm. really feel for her as well. Mm-hmm. You feel for both of them. Oh, God, and as yeah. frustrating as he is at times, you see the moments of how much she loves her father, but how frustrated she gets with her father and how he could say things in the in a split second that could really hurt her. You Cut just her see right it. to the bone. Yeah. And that's really something only a parent <laughs> can do, you know? But it also mm-hmm. makes you question and this is also something that I've been experiencing with other family stuff is like some things that are being said, is it coming from a place of this is oh his actual deep deeply held Mm. but never mentioned truths Mm. or is it just like a part of the dementia or an illusion yeah Mm. and the character doesn't know and Anne doesn't know and you can see her reading like you can see her clocking that right also her having to tell her father 
about going to Paris multiple mm-hmm. times. Yeah. I mean, maybe that happened, maybe it didn't, but I took it as it, it did mm-hmm. happen. And this is something that she's continuously having to reiterate yeah. to him. And she has to experience his reaction. Yeah multiple Mm. times as well and we'll get a little bit further into this with performances but it was that last scene where she's telling him about going to Paris (laughs) that really broke me and also having to tell him how many times did she have to tell him about Lucy you know like it's a burden it's a true burden for the children of the elderly in so many ways and nobody Mm. ever wants to be a burden on anyone and this is why it's this film blew my mind with its authenticity, I guess. Mm. Just mm-hmm. at the at the end of it all, this is a very raw, authentic film that mm-hmm. I just think as unsugarcoated as it possibly is, it's so mm. necessary and vital to see and have these conversations. Mm-hmm. So speaking of authenticity, why don't mm-hmm. we jump right into performances? Yeah. And let's start mm-hmm. with uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, this is one of my favorite performances I've seen in years, to be quite frank. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is yeah. incredible. I was so, so moved by this performance. It's sympathetic. It's enraging. It's childlike. It's sophisticated. Mm-hmm. He just runs the gamut of mm-hmm. emotion, emotional life. And it made me fall in love with him. Like, I, mm-hmm. I actually haven't. I know that you're a big fan of Anthony Hopkins Sinclair Mm -hmm, but I haven't mm -hmm. seen too many of his films and this made me a fan 100% incredible yeah this is definitely my favorite performance by an actor this year for sure at least it's it's the one that I was personally the most emotionally moved Mm -hmm. by and yeah I do think that that has a lot to do with my certain emotional kryptonite in terms of stories (laughs) (laughs) that that affect me but this performance was incredible Anthony Hopkins is one of my favorite actors by far he's given me two of my most favorite characters in terms of just being perfectly performed and crafted characters Mm. and just the choices he he makes Mm. Dr. Hannibal Mm. Lecter of course and also Dr. Robert Ford from HBO's Westworld, mm-hmm. which is one of the best performances. Yeah. He's such a skilled actor and he's charming and he's also very volatile in this. And then he's docile and then he's aggressive yeah. and then he's completely vulnerable. And that when when he broke down and he was saying, who exactly oh am God. I? To see this man who has lived 80 plus years being so afraid about being left alone that he's crying out for his mother yeah. it was just too much that ruined for me, me. <laughs> <laughs> i know i think we're I all know. about I to break down. Cry. I'm sorry. I, I called out to my my wonderful significant other please come in the room and i was cr- bawling <laughs> and he was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I'm just so upset about Anthony Hopkins. And he was like, oh, my God, did Anthony Hopkins die? And I was like, he may yeah. as well have. Kind of. <laughs> and I was so upset. 
and that doesn't happen to me too mm-hmm. often. So I knew it's this just one was going to such a testament. Destroy you, Sinclair. I knew it. Well, it didn't destroy me until oh. the end. That end got me. I held it together until that last scene. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the thing is it's like that's when all of the walls are down. That's when all of the intrigue of the way that this film is shot, all of the way that it's written and the questions and everything is all broken and gone. The curtains are opened like we're just seeing the reality and this is the reality and it is absolutely devastating to the deepest, deepest part. I agree with both of you. You, You've said everything that I could say about the performance. (laughs) It is also my favorite performance of the year. It was astonishing he covered everything and it broke it just breaks your heart i was weeping with watching it with my mom we were both like heaving sobbing together it was just so so devastating yeah Mm-hmm. opposite such an incredible performance as the one Anthony Hopkins gives this is a two-hander really and mm-hmm. you need a really really present and powerful actress for this role of Anne and I thought Olivia Coleman was sensational as well mm-hmm. yes she's another one you know that just pulls on those yes. heartstrings yeah. just her her oh. face and her her emotionality is just in- incredible and she's so yeah, she's just you just like her, her. her like little smile and you can yeah. see it as a reflexive response to the pain right her eyes yeah. just like flicker as they register every little emotion that's coming through she is an incredibly emotional actress yeah and it's all just right there at the surface mm-hmm. and i loved her too through this where you could see her guilt and you could see her anger mm-hmm. all kind of being trying to hold it down and her pride and her just all of it. I thought it was fantastic. There's that scene where she fantasizes killing him. <laughs> yeah. And I mm. was curious if that was an addition just for the film or if that's something that they were able to portray on stage because that is something about film where you can kind of go into these dream states or fantastical and it make that more clear in a film sense. And also that's like one of the few moments where we're – seeing the situation from her perspective. Yes. Because mm-hmm. for the most part, it's from his, but there, you do get that one moment where it's like, oof, that flash of like, if you were just dead, mm-hmm. this would be gone. Mm-hmm. But yes, I thought she was incredible. Her The struggle that she goes through, the amount of love that she has towards him, but also the neglect that she experiences, mm-hmm. the heartbreak that she's experiencing. It's all there. It's And the helplessness. Yeah. Yeah, I love her so much. (laughs) So what about from a technical perspective? I know we've already kind of talked about the way that the film was shot and that Mm. kind of coming together that way. Um, But Mm. what else stood out to you? Yeah, there were a few technical elements that stood out. Uh, I thought that the use of lighting and shadows Mm -hmm. was great. Um, Mm -hmm. And it felt very deliberate and evocative. There are many scenes where it's very, very shadowy. It gives you that sense of like being in the darkness mm-hmm. with this disease mm-hmm. and not knowing what's going on. And also it kind of, to me, made me think about the past, like what's behind you and what mm-hmm. is coming up in present day. Um, and then also the costuming. It took me a while to pick up on costuming being the same in a lot of scenes. Mm-hmm. And then there'd be, you know, those slight switches where it was mm-hmm. different and you're like, Okay, this is a 
slightly different situation. Maybe this is a couple years later. I don't know. But that use of Olivia Coleman's wearing the same blue shirt for yeah. so much of the film. And then all of a sudden she's not. It totally um, confused yeah. me for the longest time. Though I will say, what a beautiful color on her. But um, yeah. <laughs> when it suddenly switched to the white shirt, I was like, mm. oh. And then at that point, we're kind of like, oh, it's a new day. And that's that was the moment where I kind of was like, oh, was all of the rest of that all in one day and actual yeah. real? Like, yeah. Yeah. And I just found... Mm this film does such a good job of using all of its tools Mm -hmm. to portray what it wants to portray down to everything, down to the lighting, down to the costuming, down to the set design. It was all very specific and so well executed. And with regards to the score that I did find super overwhelming as my like (laughs) very initial thought, a minute and a half in, we see that that's just the classical music that he's listening to. So Mm. it did not Mm. (laughs) carry through. I did not feel that way about the score through the whole film. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Last word, the father. Edison? The last word for me is that this is an absolute must watch. I think it could be a really really difficult watch for a lot of people mm-hmm. particularly if you are dealing with someone elderly in your family it might be a little too real and not mm-hmm. provide you with the escapism that you might be looking for in a film but it may also be cathartic in some sort of weird way i thought that this was a sensational film anthony hopkins definitely the best performance of the year that i've seen just please yeah. just watch it just to honor this legendary actor mm-hmm. In one of the finest performances mm-hmm. of his career. Helen? Yeah, this is one of my favorite films that's nominated at this year's Oscars. Unbelievable performances. So delicate, yet strongly executed. Anthony Hopkins' performance. Number one with very, very close second, I'm going to say Riz Ahmed in Sound of Metal. Because I really, really love that performance mm-hmm. as well. But yes, mm-hmm. I highly, highly recommend The Father. Last word for me. This is a hard one to be in the mm-hmm. movie for. For <laughs> sure. Yeah. But it is worth seeing Anthony Hopkins in this. He He's one of the greatest living actors. And it's such a good performance. And this is a really unique look into the mind of someone suffering with dementia. I hadn't quite seen anything like, mm-hmm. like this portrayal of it. So definitely worth the watch. Love that. I might just put my kettle on. I want some mint tea, if that's okay. I want some mint tea, too. <laughs> that's okay. I'm going to have a glass of water. Perfect. Great. Okay, perfect. Hey. Are kettles faster than boiling water on the stove? Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely definitively. Okay, because I definitely boiling some water. In a pot. In a little. For your tea. Pot. I doesn't even it doesn't even surprise me. I don't know. It's the same thing. But it has a little spout on it. For soup. It's what soup. the elderly do. <laughs> Look whose tea is ready at the same time. Yeah, I mean, to each their own. (laughs) It didn't reach boiling point, but that's fine. That's fine. Because then it would be too hot. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) All right, so our second film of this double feature episode is Judas and the Black Messiah, directed by Shaka King, starring Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield. Judas and the Black Messiah tells the real-life story of Bill O'Neill, played by Lakeith Stanfield a car thief in Chicago in the 1960s who gets picked up by the FBI and forced to infiltrate the Black Panther Party to avoid jail time. He quickly befriends chairman Fred Hampton, 
played by Daniel Kaluuya, and ironically becomes the head of security for the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party. Bill is then caught between his deal made with the FBI and his newfound allegiance to the party. Judas and the Black Messiah asks the question, how much of your own life are you willing to sacrifice to fight for what's right? Mm-hmm. All right, first impressions, Edison. Okay, um, my first impression in this film is one of exhilaration. The opening, told through that series of civil rights newsreel clips and vignettes, sound mix with those voices saying, look at them flames lighting up the skies. I ain't never seen fire shooting up so high. And those are not riots, those are rebellions. It all comes together to give us this bit of context about the Black Panthers. And we, as audience Mm -hmm. members, are very clearly placed in the setting of the story. And so I already love how this has been edited together. It feels active and alive. And I'm like, yes, I'm here for this. Yeah. How about Mm -hmm. you, Helen? Yeah, right off the bat, I'm so excited to see Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya together again because they also acted together in Get Out, one of our Yes. And also very excited for Jesse Plemons. He's an actor that I very much adore. Mm -hmm. Sinclair? Okay, well, my real first impression of this film was (laughs) Helen and I split this rental Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she watched it first and then she was like okay go ahead and watch it and when I went to watch it she had stopped the film at the end point where the title cards come up and actually give an explanation of him being assassinated <laughs> no, and all serious? these other things. So I read everything. <laughs> oh, did you before. think that was the beginning of the movie? I thought it was the oh, beginning no. of the movie. <laughs> oh my God. And then I was like, wait, what? And then I realized it was at the end of the movie. Oh, shoot. And I had, which this is insane that I've never heard mm. of this story yeah. before. Now that I I I, th- I look at this, but yeah, I actually had read everything at the Aww. end prior. Wow, to starting that's the so brutal. Film. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> but my second first, <laughs> my second first yeah. impression was, oh my god, is that Martin Sheen or Robert Duvall? Mm, I fair. can't oh, quite tell. Yeah, fair. Who that is under that bad make yeah <laughs> yeah so not the best start yeah. for me <laughs> wow <laughs> okay well uh, let's hope it goes up from there so why don't we jump into right. storytelling i think in terms of storytelling the screenplay is really strong here i found it to be exceptionally tight and the way that the tension just builds so fluidly the characters all have great lines they're thoroughly fleshed out i thought that there's a ton of content that's being married together here in this script and it could go terribly wrong and feel super cluttered but in Shaka King and Will Burson's hands I thought the finished script of and storytelling was masterful yeah I kind of disagree um oh. I I think that this story is incredible but I actually don't think the screenplay is that strong um really? I think that yeah, I think that this story would have been so much better executed if it were a miniseries. There's just so much mm. content and there's so much more that I would have liked to experience. I feel like this film hopscotches its way along the story and I'm not 
allowed the time to like actually digest everything that's going on like this this is a heavy story and there's so much information like I walked away from it feeling like holy fuck what a story how did I not know about this and all of the other like rage that comes from these injustice stories that we're seeing a lot of these days but I didn't feel like the movie itself was that exceptional Interesting. Okay. Wow. I'll yeah. have to, okay. So we disagree. That's fun. Sinclair? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm the same. Mm-hmm. I actually found that this film was really performance driven for me, but I also wasn't a huge fan of the, the storytelling what? and the screenplay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, honestly, I agree. I think that the story is really fascinating and horrifying, mm-hmm. but there were elements in this storytelling that were lacking for me particularly Lakeith Stanfield's character oh god my god okay I have to I totally disagree yeah I just I honestly felt like it was a little underwritten yeah but I did understand how this would be a very difficult character to decide how much empathy Mm. you want to give them how much focus you want to give them because he did betray Fred Hampton and I I wasn't quite sure about his motivations for either side in depth. At the end of the film, when you see those pieces of uh, Mm -hmm. footage from his real interviews, I I was like, who is this, this guy? He didn't sound at all remorseful. And then you also read that he committed suicide after. The the day after it aired. The day after it aired. And that hit me so hard. Me too. And I was like, who is it was this person. Yeah, I, I looked this up because I was c- curious about why this story was told this way. You know, why do you have Bill O'Neill as the main character instead of Fred Hampton? Why aren't we seeing this through Fred Hampton's view? What I did read was that it it, it was really hard to greenlight a film that was just about Fred Hampton mm. because not a lot of people know this story and it's mm. not a name that's going to pull audiences mm. in and you know you hear malcolm x with right. denzel washington people are instantly going mm-hmm. to to recognize that and this is unfortunately hollywood it sucks but it was almost like adding this departed like element which is really fascinating so shaka king has said has has quoted the only way we were going to get a movie about Fred Hampton made in Hollywood was by couching it in, in genre. He just didn't have the name recognition among studio execs to justify them greenlighting a straightforward biopic. Mm. Centralizing O'Neill gives you a greater insight into who Fred was and what he represented because he was the literal opposite of O'Neill. What better way to show who Fred was than to contrast him against who he wasn't. Right. So reading that definitely helped me understand that particular choice. But... There was something that that was missing for me. Okay, so I can definitely get behind that quote. I understand where that's coming from. Uh, It's interesting for me to hear that because I did not think that this film was in any way acquiescent to the system in Hollywood. I actually felt that Bill O'Neill's character was the lead character in this film from an intentional perspective of fulfilling the story and the key. When you think about the film's title, that is the key to unlocking the core theme of this film for me, which is the contrast between the opposing values of righteousness 
and falsehood. This yin and yang is played out in every facet of the film. And I think that embodying this primary contrast is Judas himself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, O'Neill. He carries with him the torment of the sellout, the betrayer. And I think that he's leading the film because through that lens, that's where we're seeing this conflict. But it's all in every other facet too, right? Hampton is the black messiah. He literally le- lives and breathes his values right to the end. It's from the way that the Black Panthers are portrayed as revolutionaries in contrast to the scheming FBI and the characters' conversations about the like dignity of the proletariat in contrast to the lies of capitalism and the power of black liberation in contrast to the deceit of white supremacy. This is a film that central theme is contrast between those two values. And the only character in the film that has both of those core values in themselves is Bill O'Neill. And that's why... I, that's how I took it to be the reason for him being the lead character. And that's why I thought it was so brilliant. But I, I agree in terms of, I think it can work in terms of themes. It was more, I felt he was underwritten as yeah. a character. But Okay, but that but I, I disagree with that. Okay, but you were more arguing that the Judas, using Judas as a character, where I'm saying his, his actual character in terms of dialogue and everything was underwritten. Uh, and I okay, well, I do also disagree with that. I agree. I think that he's underwritten. Uh, and also, let's just look at uh, awards for a second. Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya are both nominated for supporting actor, mm-hmm. uh-huh. which we know is a full fucked up system about screen time and all that shit. But if Lakeith Stanfield is the lead to this film, which he is, he should be nominated for best actor. And maybe that does speak somehow to the fact that. I don't think that there's a lot to this character. I don't know anything about his upbringing. I don't know anything about his motivations other than he just doesn't want to go to jail. He's a great actor. Daniel Kaluuya is a great actor. Their performances in this film are good performances, but there's just so much to know about these two men. I don't think you can fit that into a two-hour movie, and I wasn't impacted as much as I think I should have been based off of the content of this story. Okay, so I understand the sense that we don't know this character's backstory. We don't know, you know, why he was stealing cars, that type of a thing. But I don't think that we need to. I didn't need to. I did not find him underwritten. I believe that he was a completely real character. I understood what his motivations were. And I could see through that performance where how he was torn between these two feelings. I actually also did watch that Eyes on the Prize docuseries, that episode Oh, did you? Yeah. Mm. And Bill O'Neill was actually only 18 or 19 years old when he was recruited by Roy Mitchell. It is a really interesting story. Like at the beginning, he says he didn't know anything at all about the Black Panthers. He's from this middle class background. He just thought he was being recruited by the FBI to kind of get inside info from a local gang. But then he learned, you know, how how sophisticated they were and how politically motivated they were and engaged they were he was proud to be doing it at first and you get the sense of that even just from the little clip that they show that kind of bookends the film right at the end and at the beginning there's this element where he is proud to be doing this work for the fbi while also being super torn about it because while learning about the black panthers he falls in love with fred hampton but not you know yeah, I didn't get I didn't get that, Edison. I did not get that in this film. You got that from watching his documentary. You didn't get that from watching the film. <laughs> I got that from watching the film. I watched the documentary after I watched the film. I didn't see him fully 
being influenced by either side to be honest i okay then he's then he's fascinating because he's just selfish is that okay, it? but then but then but, if that's the case if like if he doesn't feel remorse and you're seeing that in the interview then why does he commit suicide the day after yeah, it airs like there's so, so much more to know it's so much more complicated <laughs> yeah you know i found the age thing really interesting if he were you know 17 18 19 uh fred hampton was 21 when he died i know Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield are much older. And I actually think that affects the way that we view the film. Because if I was watching an 18-year-old kid get recruited Mm. by the FBI to become an informant, I would have a much different perspective on that person than Lakeith Stanfield, who's, I don't know how old he is, in his 30s, I imagine. Like, it it, it rings, it has a different impact. Oh, I do 100% agree with that. But I, I also felt that in terms of storytelling, I I found the screenplay was a little bit all over the place for yeah. for a lot of it. Like even the stuff with the FBI and Jesse Plemons and and Robert Duvall, I found a lot of that to be Robert Michael Sheen. <laughs> Sorry, Martin Sheen. Sorry, Martin Sheen. Or Martin Sheen. Oh my god. <laughs> exactly. But I found a lot of that stuff, those scenes, to be they were a bit tropey i found them to just be a bit unnecessary and a bit surfacey some of the the fbi stuff and i hate that because it is such a horrific thing mm. that they did that mm-hmm. i want to watch it and and have it get more under my under right. my skin i felt like i was watching it and i was like i think these scenes are a bit unnecessary and these feel a bit ham-fisted yeah yeah, yeah. it could have been that makeup too <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Again, I don't think that this is a bad movie at all. I just think that the story is incredible, and I don't think that the script was incredible. Yeah, same. I didn't finish this movie feeling like I got enough. Okay, okay. So we're going to disagree about storytelling, because that's fine. Let's get into performances. Yeah, I mean, we've already kind of touched on this a little bit. It is discombobulating to me that both of these actors are nominated in the supporting category. <laughs> I like them both. I prefer Daniel Kaluuya over Lakeith Stanfield. I think it's a stronger performance. I think it's a stronger character. But I do very much enjoy both of those actors. Mm-hmm. I thought that they were all incredible. I thought that Daniel Kaluuya was fantastic. The way that he got the like timber and modulation mm. of the speaking patterns of Fred Hampton and the way that he just commanded that presence. It was really powerful. And I also liked the kind of how warm he was and tender he was in the smaller mm-hmm. scenes. You could see how he could turn on the, the kind of full force of that character, how Fred Hampton could turn on the full force right. of that character and yet still be this real person behind the scenes Mm -hmm. and I thought it was really kind of spellbinding to watch Lakeith Stanfield I I also thought was absolutely brilliant I thought he was like a skittish dog with like crazy eyes that you don't know is he going to attack me or can I pet him or you don't know if he's going to like fly out the door you could see this like palpable vibration of anxiety as an undercurrent through this whole performance and I could see how he was also like in those scenes where he was put into a situation where that character was put into a situation that was almost impossible for us to imagine how mm. he was exploding with anger or fear or whatever mm. and then was able to utilize it in the moment interacting with mm. the other characters right. and I thought that was like quite a skillful thing to be able to do as an actor 
Well, I just want to mention Dominique Fishback. Yes, absolutely. Because she was my favorite in the film. I really thought she was so fantastic, and I've never seen her in anything before. Me neither. But she had some amazing moments in this -hmm. this film, and that last shot of her face when Mm -hmm. um, Fred Hampton is being murdered in his bed behind her, the camera just stays on her face, and it lingers there. And she doesn't even have tears in her eyes. It's this, this, I can't, it's hard to even describe the look. It's a look that just encompasses so many feelings in one. Shock, sadness. Steely resolve. Surprise, resolve. Yeah. Yeah, just really wonderful performance by her. Another one where I was thinking, Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy. I know. (laughs) And, you know, not... Dominique Fishback for this film. It's just... I know. Okay, what about technical? Technical, the standout for me was the score. Craig Harris and Mark Isham, I thought that score was epic. It was so, like, jazzy and crazy and, like, boom, 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 and horns. It really, 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 like, elevated the film for me. I noticed the score off the top. It was one of the first things that... um kind of hooked me in but then I have to say I didn't notice it after Mm. after the opening like I felt like it had a really nice momentum in the beginning and we get that shot of like Lakeith's feet walking on the street oh yeah and I and I felt that energy and I was like "Ooh, this is gonna have this film's gonna have that kind of energy it's gonna be a little bit uh non-traditional and then it I didn't notice it again so Mm. I don't know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sinclair for me, cinematography was a big standout yeah. mm. um, by Sean Bobbitt. He's nominated for an Oscar mm-hmm. for the cinematography in this. I think it's really deserved. There were mm-hmm. some very unique camera choices in, in this film. And I also loved uh, the aesthetic of this film was really great. It was gritty and it had a lot of beautiful moments in it as well. And very, yeah, very unique camera choices. Well, sure. And the lighting too, the like lighting. The, everything that was lit beautifully. Was so so beautiful. The co- whoever the colorists were on this, saturating that lens, like it was mm. really gorgeous. Mm. Okay, last word for Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, for me, I I am grateful to have had this story brought to my attention with this film. It is a harrowing story. It fell a little flat for me in terms of a complete film but it's definitely worth watching to understand the life of Fred Hampton and of Bill O'Neill I think that they're both very uh fascinating humans Mm -hmm. so the last word on Judas and the Black Messiah for me is that it's one of my favorite films of the year I loved this I loved the experience of watching it it was like high adrenaline the whole time I thought it was gorgeous. It made me so curious to do a deep dive into the history of these men and the Black Panthers party in general. And I thought the performances were sensational. So I'm very here for this. It was actually much better than I was expecting going into Mm. it. Yeah. Sinclair? Yeah. Last word for me. Another movie that you really need to be in the mood Mm. (laughs) for. Whatever that mood is, it might be uh, hard (laughs) to find it. But... It's worth watching just because it, uh, for me, it was very performance driven. There, there's some really gripping performances in this film and you should know about this story. I would never have known about 
the story of, of Fred Hampton and I know now because of this movie so it, mm-hmm. it is an important watch yeah well this has been another episode of Talk Movie to Me if you'd like to get in touch with us our email is talkmovietome at gmail.com follow us on Instagram at talkmovietome tweet at us at TMTM podcast rate and review us on iTunes our website is talkmovietomepodcast.com and if you're not already a Patreon member become one patreon.com slash talkmovietome I'm Helen I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. Thanks.